WVYC's Perspectives is a weekly public affairs program produced by the voice of your college. This week, we have a special edition of the program as we feature part one of an independent study podcast produced by Laura Threat. This is Buzzed. Your podcast is loading. Swales, hyper-converged server environment, quantitative fluence, control structure, disruption. You're listening to Buzzed, a podcast that explores the world of buzzwords, including who uses them, why they use them, and what it means for everyone else. I'm Laura Thrapp. A curious college student constantly asking questions. As long as I can remember, I've never not had a follow-up question. An answer is just an impetus for another inquiry. Yes, I've been a menace to tour guides, teachers, and servers everywhere. But my questioning brings us today's episode about buzzwords in the corporate world. As a student, I'm mostly concerned with what words need to be on my resume and what words will I be using once I get a job. However, these two concerns have numerous variables. While conducting this research, it was evident that corporate jargon is incredibly specialized. From field to field, from office to office. It's a new language almost everywhere you go. Buzzword opponent and Chicago Tribune reporter Rex Hubke found a corporate jargon dictionary called Picking the Low-Hanging Fruit and Other Stupid Stuff We Say in the Corporate World by James Sudakow. I heard about the book just from a press release uh, from uh, James' publisher, but it really struck me when I saw it because buzzwords have been something I've kind of uh, railed against for a long time. And so when I saw somebody had actually uh, taken the time to put it all together into a... uh, to kind of a glossary, I thought it was pretty funny. So I reached out to him and, and read the book and uh, thought it was worth writing about. To me, buzzwords have just become kind of pervasive, and, and I personally, I can't stand them. Uh, so I feel like the fact that we're to the point where we actually need to assemble almost like a dictionary uh, to, to explain what all of these different terms that people use mean, uh, that seems to me to be kind of an indication that we're doing something wrong. Uh, If people are not understanding each other well enough that they actually need a reference guide to figure out what someone else is saying, then uh, I think we've kind of screwed up somewhere along the line. I then asked Hupke if buzzwords are necessary in communication, or are they simply elitist? I really do think buzzwords are just kind of lazy language, basically. I mean, people who want to communicate to other people should just say what they want to say. I don't think we need to come up with new fangled words and fancy sounding uh, terms to to express ourselves. I actually think buzzwords tend to be a way for people to make themselves sound important, uh, like they're using some kind of language that isn't accessible to everyone. And honestly, there's even a uh, an issue there of, you know, it's almost like you're creating a language that only certain people in the know are going to understand when you say that, uh, you know, you want disruption or uh, you know, name your name your buzzword, and uh, you know a lot of people get lost with that, which isn't really the idea of communication, and it just comes across to me anyway as uh, somebody uh, trying to sound smarter than they actually are. It seems like these words are rather empty, almost like a flashy pair of shoes. They do the same thing as a pair of sneakers, but they get a lot more attention from everyone else, and they indicate 
more status. Ooh, where did she get those? I bet they were expensive. I asked Hupke what kind of shoes he sees in the journalism world. In a newsroom, you don't get a whole lot of <laughs> buzzwords unless somebody's making fun of them generally. Although, like any other company, we have a corporate entity that uh, tends to throw some stuff around sometimes, and then most of the reporters will laugh at them. We, we For example, they use the term content a lot uh, when it comes to uh, the work that we do, which, which personally I can't stand because it sort of takes something that I put a lot of work into and makes it sound like it's, you know, a, a sandwich or a piece of cheese or something like that. So for people that don't have a corporate jargon dictionary, how do they learn this language? Does it come with their degree? I asked Anna Martins, a civil engineer for Van Cleef Engineering, about her first job right out of college. My first job, I thought I was going to go there for the first day and they were going to do my paperwork and I wouldn't really have to do any engineering work. I was scared out of my pants because, of course, the HR lady was not in. And they basically put a plan in front of me and said, we need to review this. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what I need to do. I wanted to cry. (laughs) And I think I did a little. I found that most of the jargon I learned by being immersed in it once I came out of school. Now, I'm not an engineer by any means, so Martins gave me a lesson on the weird lingo. Some words in the water business that are kind of funky, like the first time I heard, you know, about a water nipple. I thought it was very strange, but it is a valve or a um, an appurtenance for a water system. So, you know, there's the male part, the female part. So if somebody would hear us saying some of that stuff, they may think, wow, like what the heck's going on? But that's just the way it is. Pump stations are words that we, you know, is another word that we use very often. Basically, there are just certain jargon and certain things that you call up another engineer and you would talk about the waterworks, the pond pack, your outlet control structure, which is basically the outlet in a detention basin. All those things, you know, for, for someone who's not in the business, they may not know what those are. But for us, a lot of times we even talk like in lingo, like we have a permit that's called a NIPDES, uh, an NPDES, which we usually have to tell people that stands for National Pollution you know, Discharge Elimination System. So there, there are quite a few that are like that. I talked to a flashy word decoder. Liz Walker is a client liaison for Business Information Group. Typically in a normal engagement for me, it's usually myself, our technical engineers, um, or our software consultants, and um, and then I'm the one who's kind of there as the client liaison. And so I'm more to, um, I don't wanna say dumb it down, but more so put it in realistic terms so they can kind of understand like, What are you even trying to sell me? What are you proposing we do? But in order to do her job, she has to stay up to date. It's almost like she has homework every night. Any free minute that I get when I'm home or um, weekends, like I'm always reading trade magazines. I'm always keeping up with, um, you know, researching things, new things that are going on in the industry because as new terms come out and as new products come out and you know, what we're using is, you know, revolutionizing the way that we all interact with each other um, and and communicate. And whether that's on a visual basis or a verbal basis, um, that's definitely a revolution that's going on. And I, I think for all of us that there's that pressure to keep up. But 
from our perspective in that, again, from my role as, as a client liaison, that I need to know what's best for them, so I need to be well informed of w what else is out there so I can better you know, communicate. Um, acronyms are great because they don't force you to like spit out all of these long, you know, lengthy, complicated words all the time. Um, in my day to day, we talk about like VMs and um, uh, ISPs, and I mean, you name it. There's so many acronyms to what we are dealing with in day to day basis that it, it really is a crutch. To when I it took me months to figure out what the heck are these people even talking about. I talked to Dr. Brian Furio, who has been a communications professor for 32 years, and he thinks that this jargon and terminology might actually be a bonding agent in the workplace. Well, we speak the same language, regardless of whether it's a professional language or, you know, I often use examples in class when I talk about um, connotative meanings, personalized meanings, and how your family, for example, might have a single word or a phrase that as soon as somebody in the, in the family says it, the entire family cracks up laughing because it references an experience with the family. Nobody outside of the family understands what that means, but it has meaning for you. And in that sense, it has value. We have, you're using language that essentially connects your family even more. You say, remember, remember, um, you know, Cape May and everybody in the family laughs because they have a mental reference for Cape May. The same thing works in an organization. When you have a language that is a common language that everyone can refer to and is meaningful to them, it actually builds connections and bonds between the people who work in that organization because it's meaningful to them. It may not mean anything to anybody outside of that organization. But at least for the people in that, that company, that organization, that discipline, whatever it might be, that provides a connection. So I think that's a valuable thing. Whether you think they're lazy, status elevators, or relationship builders, they show us to stay present when we communicate with each other. Not everyone comes from the same background or expertise. And this is what makes us human. Different life experiences give us different meaning, and therefore different languages. So the next time someone says, oh, you don't know what said corporate buzzword means? Have a conversation, spread knowledge, and lastly, don't forget how to simply talk to each other. I want to thank York College and WVYC for making this program possible, as well as Jeffrey Schiffman and the professionals interviewed in this episode, Rex Hubke, Anna Martins, Brian Furio, and Liz Walker. Most importantly, I want to thank you for listening to Buzzed. As always, keep asking questions. Until next time, I'm Laura Thrapp, WVYC Studios. Thanks for joining us for WVYC's Perspectives. The program airs Mondays and Fridays at 10 a.m. This public affairs program is also available as a podcast at wvyc.podbean.com. 
Jeffrey Schiffman serves as the executive producer of Perspectives. We hope you join us again for another in-depth look at the York College community.